Good morning. I, I am, we are reading in our scripture is from Exodus chapter 35, verses 30 to 35. I was going to say, look in your pew Bible and then realize that we don't have pew Bibles. <laughs> so if you want to look it up so that you can read the words, it's Exodus 35, 30 to 35. Then Moses told the people of Israel, the Lord has specifically chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, grandson of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. The Lord has filled Bezalel with the Spirit of God, giving him great wisdom, ability, and expertise in all kinds of crafts. He's a master craftsman, expert in working with gold and silver and bronze. He is skilled in engraving and mounting gemstones and in carving wood. He is a master at every craft. And the Lord has given both him and Oliahib, son of Ahasamach of the tribe of Dan, the ability to teach their skills to others. The Lord has given them special skills as engravers and designers, embroiderers in blue, purple, and scarlet thread, on fine linen cloth and weavers. They excel as craftsmen and as designers. This is God's word. morning. Do you remember what you were doing when you were 24 years old? Can you think back to your 24th year? Is anyone here 24 years old or in their 20s? No, right? Beyond. Yes. When I was 24, uh, I was thinking about it. What did I do when I was 24? And it was the year that I got married. I was turning 25 that year, but I was still, still 24. And I remember I was so young and naive, thought I knew everything about the world, yet I didn't. But it was a, it was a good year, and I can't complain, um, and it was a good time. And it was during this time, at the age of 24, that's, that this other young man in Italy was asked to build something for a church. In fact, it was earlier, he was only 23 when he got commissioned, but by the time he was 24, he finished this work of art. He was often called Il Divino, the Divine One, and he created a statue called the Pieta. So here's a picture of the statue Pieta, and, it's by, and the word Pieta means pity or compassion, and this sculpture was commissioned by a cardinal of France in 1498. And this is, does, does anyone know who the artist is? Yeah, Michelangelo, right? So he's famous for this uh, carving, also the statue of David, and then the painting in the Sistine Chapel, right? And this is one of Michelangelo's most famous uh, statues that he carved out of one single block of marble. And it's Mary uh, carrying Jesus after he uh, is dead. And th the picture really doesn't do justice to the kind of master work that uh, Michelangelo did. If you look closer at some of the, the, the carving itself in the pictures, you can see the fine lines of, of the robe 
the robe looks like it's actually a robe. It's, it's just it's marble, and he, he uh, chiseled that. It's considered one of the um, um, masterpieces of that time, and it's been around since you know, 1500, so f- over 500 years. Uh, and I, I actually received, or I don't remember where I got the book, but I have a book called Pieta uh, by this person named Robert Hupka, who had the privilege of being able to take very close-up pictures. He had like unprecedented access to the statue during the World Fair in 1975. And he takes these really close-up photos. He took thousands of photos and then came up with this, uh, it's not a picture book, what do you call it? Like a book of photos or pictures of, of it. If anyone's interested, you could, you could come and take a look or borrow it from me. Um, and just looking at the close-ups, looking at what Michelangelo did and thinking, man, a 24-year-old did that? That is just crazy. Like, what kind of artistry and just, just it, he had to be inspired to do something like this. And, and this Robert Hupka was a, was a, a a huge fan of Michelangelo and of this statue. And he uh, actually quotes a friend named Charles Rich who describes the Pieta this way. He says, there's so much in the Pieta that if you lived a thousand years and wrote a thousand books, you can never express it. In other words, there is a divine quality in it. It must have been inspired because how could a boy 24 years old create a work like that? You can't imagine how. It was as special... It was as if a special grace from God was given. It is true he had to be an artist, but art alone could not have made the Pieta. The Pieta transforms you inwardly. A prayerful spirit comes over you. It changes people. And this is perhaps why Michelangelo was often called the divine one. Because his work inspire people as, as, as if God had given him the ability to do so. And we see something similar in our passage today where we see these two other individuals who are inspired to work on a church. God has brought the people of Israel out of Egypt and have freed them so that they can become this new nation. And as part of this new creation, God speaks through Moses to create a new ethical and a religious system a new way of being together as a nation where God himself will be king and God will dwell with them. Here we see two people, uh, Bezalel and Oholiab, who are filled with the spirit of God to go about designing and building the tabernacle. Bezalel is a a master artist, kind of like Michelangelo, who, by the way, was also a poet and a painter and a sculptor to design and to work with all types of materials to build this tabernacle. And Oholiab looks like more of a manager who can delegate and teach others, although it says here that both were, uh, had the ability of an artist. Both were also filled with the Spirit of God to go about building this tabernacle for God. So what is the tabernacle? Here's a picture of the tabernacle. It's, it's, actually, it's a mobile worship space. As they were still in the process of becoming a nation, it was a mobile worship space that could be easily packed up as they journey f- to the promised land. And I really like this picture because it shows how, you know, the no- because they were nomadic, they were tenting and they had camps set up with tents around this tabernacle where people can um, be together. 
here's uh, another picture of the tabernacle where you could see the different sections of it. Uh, from the altar of the burnt offering, the holy place where Bezalel and Holiab would have built a t- table of presence, to that of the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant was placed, which held the two t- tablets of the Ten Commandments. And the word for tabernacle in Hebrew is mishkan, which literally means to dwell. It was a physical and a functional space for the people of Israel to experience the presence of God. And when the tabernacle was finished, we see in Exodus 40 that the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle by what looked like a cloud, a cloud of presence. And so when the cloud lifted from the tabernacle, people knew, the Israelites knew, it was time to move on, to go to another space and to set up again. So Bezalel and Oholiab were given this task of building the first church for the people of Israel. They were filled with the Spirit of God and were inspired to build and design pieces that were not only functional, but beautiful to inspire and to encourage others to worship God. It's interesting how this hasn't stopped in human history, but continues in all the different churches that we have seen throughout history and the the artists who work on art and and the architects who have built these uh, beautiful cathedrals. Did you know Michelangelo also designed a, a church? And that was part of his next thing that never came to fruition, but he was also a designer. It's kind of cool. And in the past few weeks, we've been in this series called uh, Pulled in Every Direction. We recognize that there are many ways of being the church, yet we also understand that we can't be all things. And so we are looking at how we are called to be the church at Young and Shepherd. And we're looking at our values that we hold on to, that we affirm together as how we want to be together. And it's something we are striving for. So here are the list of the seven values that we have. And today we're looking at the value of a creative God. So we believe in a creative God. Therefore, we are open to expressing our faith in new and creative ways that reflect the beauty and complexity of our creator. We are called to use our creative gifts in worship and service as we engage with our world. We take joy in the diversity of gifts that allow, allow us to delight, to delight God and participate in his ongoing story. We believe in a creative God because we believe in a God who created everything out of nothing. We ourselves who are made in the image of God mimic and mirror God when we participate in his creative acts in this world. Michelangelo believed that art was a copy of the perfections of God and a recollection of his painting. God is the master artist who created the universe and called it good. We therefore are called to express our faith in new and creative ways because we reflect the beauty and complexity of our creator. This is why when you look around our church, we we care about the aesthetics of our space. We encourage art and believe in the importance of being creative in how we worship God in our space and in all that we do. In fact, we have a team called the Creative Team who every sermon series meet together and try to be creative in creating these um, art pieces to enhance our sermon series. So, for instance, you see 
all the lines going up from the communion table. Oh, I like the. I, I didn't really think about that. Is that purposeful? That there's the the elements, the Bible, the Christ candle, right, and then the f- seven lines they go out into the world. I'm assuming. Oh, that's that's pretty amazing. So it's cool. I love how intentional our church is in that. And I've been part of the creative team before, so we know it's not always easy trying to be creative, and sometimes you get stuck. But when, when it does happen, it's, it's, it's beautiful, and it's amazing, and it's very intentional. And it's not just this, uh, the platform, but also if you look at our, um, just even our artwork uh, in our lounge uh, to that of our, even our worship uh, song slide backgrounds. So even that, take a look. It, it, we try to, not me, because I don't do it, but someone more creative than I, take, take the time to look at the, what is the song about and try to even match the background slide pictures so that it enhances our worship. Some of our songs are original songs that are written by our own folks because we care about being creative. Yeah, and I think it's okay for us to use other songs and, and the songs of the church that are sung worldwide. But at the same time, there are times where we, we find, you know, we are inspired to write songs. Again, not me. Other people who are much more creative than I who write songs uh, that speak to what we're about and who we want to be together. And this is why we also ask for articles for Delve. Because obviously creativity isn't just art. So we, that's why we ask for uh, articles in Delve. That's another way for, for um, our folks to contribute um, to the community um, and to be creative in how we are to be. Uh, one thing interesting about our passage today is that Moses gives this instruction to Balazil and Oholiab uh, to build the tabernacle, but he does that with, uh, with an instruction to keep the, to keep the Sabbath. You see this in Exodus 31, verse 12, and then again, Exodus 35, verse 1. Why does Moses talk about keeping the Sabbath in the midst of a church building project? The tabernacle and the establishment of the people of Israel is a microcosm of the creation narrative. Just as God created the universe and the Garden of Eden, here God is creating something new. Just as God created the universe in six days and then rested and Sabbath, God in his new creation of this new nation wants to give his people that creative rhythm of creation and rest. The artistic creation and work of the tabernacle, which again means to dwell, is bookended with the gift of rest and Sabbath where God says it is very good. So the Sabbath isn't just a reminder of the original creation in Genesis, but it's a reminder of God's recreation of the cosmos in the tabernacle and his desire to make all things new through a very particular people group of Israel and ultimately in Jesus. So let's look at this again, the tabernacle and the word dwell. We see from the beginning of creation that God wanted to dwell with his people whether it was in the Garden of Eden where Adam and Eve walked with God to that of the tabernacle in Moses. And we see further on what, uh, of that what happens when Israel finally has uh, a permanent home and Solomon builds the temple for God as this permanent place where God can dwell. And in the New Testament, we see that after the temple has been destroyed, that now God comes in the person of Jesus to dwell. 
Listen to what John says in John chapter 114. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The Greek word dwell has the same meaning to the Hebrew word tabernacle. It literally means to have one's tent set up to dwell or to spread his tabernacle. And the Apostle Paul picks up on this understanding of God dwelling with his people by referring to our bodies as the temple or the tabernacle of God, where the Spirit of God dwells. And we see the culmination of this dwelling in Revelations chapter 21, verse 3. John says, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Here we see that when Jesus comes again, there will be a new creation and a new earth where God's dwelling place won't be a temple or in human things that have been made, but rather God will be present. The new city, which has this cubical dimension that reflects the dimensions of the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle, will not be needed anymore because of what John, John saw in Revelations 21. Revelation 21, 22. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. And this is why we value being creative, because God is a creative God who continues to work out his creativity on the canvas of the universe throughout time and time eternal. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the master sculptor, the one in whom we find our inspiration and whom we live out our creativity. When I was in my 20s, I went to this camping thing. It was like a Presbyterian music camp, but I went as a, a youth leader. And while I was there, one of the activities you could do is carving. And I've never carved anything in my life but, you know, I'm like, okay, I'll try it, right? So I got a, a block of wood, uh, but it's cut out in this, like, um, very square-shaped uh, thing that looks like a dog. And what you're supposed to do is take, you know, a knife and slowly start carving away at it until you can make a dog. And so I spent the whole week, all my free time, just carving, carving, and then after a while of carving, you got to start sanding, and you, you're like sanding nonstop, right? So this took a whole week for me to do, and this is, this is uh, actually my dog that I, I carved, and I still have at home. So I could understand somewhat of what Michelangelo went through. <laughs> so, so I thought, you know, why don't I show you a picture of my dog and, and the Pieta? Now, I'm no Michelangelo, right? And I don't really have that much of an artistic bone in my body. I, I don't color well. You know, I'm not, I'm not much of a, a, a drawer. I, I draw stick figures when I draw. But when I did carve that, I was like, I can't believe I did that. I didn't think I, I had that in me, but it, it happened. And again, I am no Michelangelo, and nor are you. 
And I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel that way as a non-artist or traditional artist is that I can't create art like Michelangelo. I can't do things like write a song or do this or do that. You know, I just could do something simple, right? Or something not as, not as creative. And I sometimes don't even have the ability to appreciate art. So I have to re rely on others to tell me why the Pieta is so marvelous. I could kind of tell, like just looking at the, I'm like, oh, I can't do that. There's no way I could have ever done that. But I need others like, you know, these, these interpreters to tell me why it's been pyramid shaped and, and there's this, this classical Renaissance art and all this other stuff that I don't know about, you know. Um, and it's, it's, you need others to kind of help you appreciate art. But let me read you a quote from an article called Sabbath and Creati Creativity by Kim Allen Johnson. And this is what she says. Creativity is not a quality that only applies to artists. Because we are made in the image of God, we will contain the Holy Spirit-inspired ability to create. Our paintings may look like the scrawlings of a monkey. Our attempt to play a musical instrument may sound like a bird call on steroids. <laughs> Nonetheless, we can all be individually creative at things like spirituality, cooking, problem solving, child raising, interior decorating, cleaning, gardening, work, strategic planning, vacation planning, money management, conflict management, time management, service to the community, relationships, exercise, teaching, research, and on and on. I love that. You and I are not Michelangelo's, but we are made in the image of God. Therefore, we are able to create and be creative because we are inspired by the creative God of the universe. This isn't just in our ability to draw, write music, or even color in between the lines. It is in our child raising, in our strategic planning, in our service to the community, and in our work. We're not called to be Michelangelo's, but we are called to be the creative image bearers of God. I don't know if you noticed, but the article that I just quoted has the title of Sabbath and Creativity. I googled those two words together because the way in which the tabernacle and the Sabbath were, you know, interweaved. Uh, and I was like, what is going on here? So, so I, I looked it up and this was this amazing article. But let's listen to what she says, why these two are so interrelated. The Sabbath is much more than a memorial of Adam and Eve and Eden. First and foremost, Sabbath is a celebration of the creativity within the heart of God. He is always the center of every doctrine. Creativity captures the heartbeat of the Trinity better than almost any other divine attribute besides love. After God's creation of his masterpiece called the universe, he sat back and rested and enjoyed his creation. He took delight in what he made and called it good. And the right cadence and rhythm of creativity is the ability to rest and enjoy God's creation which also includes the work that we do. Instead of moving on to the next project, to plan the next meal, or to write the next email, let us take moments to savor. Let us take time, like this day we call Sabbath, to stop and savor the goodness of God, 
so that we can contribute and continue to be active participants in his creation and creativity in our world, in his world. Let us be good earth keepers, good firefighters, joyful teachers, and diligent administrators. Let us do this together as the people of God, appreciating the gifts and skill that God has given each and every one of us, so that we may say with God, it is very good. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for who you are, that you are a God who created everything out of nothing. That you are the master builder, the creator, the artist, the one who takes delight in creation. And that you've bestowed upon us the ability to reflect your creativity. So Lord, show us how we can be creative to join you in this recreation and an active participation of being the creative light in this world, whether it's in art, in poems, in our writing, in our expression of how we do work, how we raise children, how we are friends to one another. Help us to take moments to savor, to celebrate, to join you in calling things good because you have made all things good. In Jesus' name, amen. So join me if you are able to uh, recite this value together as a prayer of who we are trying to be together as the community of God. We believe in a creative God. Therefore, we are open to expressing our faith in new and creative ways that reflect the beauty and complexity of our Creator. We are called to use our creative gifts in worship and service as we engage with our world. We take joy in the diversity of gifts that allow us to delight God and participate in his ongoing story. Amen.